0: civic radio in san francisco this is flashpoints i'm dennis bernstein today on the show a newly minted city councilman in boomtown santa rosa california is standing tall for the rights of brown people also greg palace fighting the racist vote thieves in georgia and other places and we'll have a lot more all coming up for you on flashpoints stay tuned listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. My name is Dennis Bernstein. We broadcast every weekday from 5 to 6 from the San Francisco Bay Area on the Pacifica Radio Network, KPFA in the Bay, and we are happy to have you along with us. Well, we... Uh start the show with sort of a hometown story, the boomtown story of Santa Rosa. Uh, there's a lot going on. Some people refer to it as wine country, and it is a multi, I don't know, billion-dollar operation. But it's also, we think of it as farm worker country. Uh, we think of it as the country of domestic workers and farm workers who keep that machine, that money machine called Santa Rosa, going. A lot's been going on. They have a new councilman. His name is Eddie Alvarez, and we want to talk to him about his vision uh, for the city and for those who sort of keep it running, if you will. Uh, Councilman, welcome to Flashpoints. It's good to have you with us.
1: Thank you, Dennis. It's good to be here. I appreciate the invitation.
0: And also want to invite uh, into the conversation our good friend Miguel Gabriel Molino, who joins us uh, for this discussion. Welcome, Miguel.
2: Well, here we are, Dennis. Thank you, and uh, this is going to be a great uh, conversation.
0: Well, let, uh, let's kick it off this way, if I if I could just jump right in, because I've got to focus. Um, Councilman, uh, Miguel and I are, <laughs> are very familiar with the territory, and we're very familiar of the case of Andy Lopez, who was a 12-year-old who was shot down at close range, six or seven uh shots uh sort of in the back if you will uh and the amazing thing is that the sheriff's deputy shooter was actually on a training mission so he was training another officer Uh, out of that incident and a whole bunch of stuff uh and a sort of an obvious uh lack of representation of brown people there was another council district created and that's your district right
1: uh, that is correct. Well, in 2017, the, the voters uh, decided that it was time for us to have representation, and they had to be the voters and also lawsuits because because it was not going to be the government that 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 we have here in town. Uh, they were forced to do such a thing, and, and I'm proud to be the representative, the first representative of Roseland, of South Park, of Southwest Santa Rosa.
0: Say a little bit about why they finally came to that conclusion in terms of representation. Well, what are some of the kinds of things that led up to it, and how were uh, folks in that community being deprived of the rights and their services and so on and so forth?
1: Well, historically, we've been deprived of the, of the services, whether it be the the, the, the utilities, the sidewalks, the, the infrastructure. That That is something that happens historically. But, when it came to the death of Andy Lopez, it really brought to light the the dire need of us to have a voice in our in our own community to be able to to guide our destiny, our own destiny forward and It was because of lawsuits that were brought forward that we actually were able to obtain a district a seat at the table, which is city council here in the city of Santa Rosa. What it means for us. Here as, as Santa Rosens, is that we can finally be heard, and I think I am able to prove just how ready my community is to step forward and speak up for our rights and demand to be heard and demand that that we are that that our values, our life is given value. To think that a child uh, was was gunned down by a person who was trained to fear children of the sun those that, that might be a little bit more suntanned than, than he was. That just shows you how far we were from justice. And thanks to the lawsuit that was brought forward, we are now being heard more than we ever have in the 150 years of the existence of Santa Rosa here in the wine country.
0: But by the way, just as a uh, a point of fact, uh, the shooter, Gilhouse, who used to do a... A column for Soldier of Fortune magazine, and who talked about how you can uh, kill a teenager and get away with it as a cop. Uh, he he walked. He did he leave with a pension?
1: Yes, he did, and a promotion. The the man was taken and a promotion and not, and a promotion, and he he left with the pension and all his honor amongst themselves, and it just shows you what value we have uh, for our our residents in the city of San Rosa and really the County of Sonoma, not even go as far as saying as the state of California and beyond
0: All right. You're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. My name is Dennis Bernstein. We are really uh, uh, delighted to be joined by uh, Councilman Eddie Alvarez of Santa Rosa. For those of you listening outside the state, Santa Rosa is sort of a boom town north of San Francisco, about 50 or 60 miles uh, uh, as the crow flies, if the crows can still fly under global warming. (laughs) Uh, It's a very important uh, place these days in California. It's an economic machine as i said earlier um uh, councilman it's it's wine country it's farm worker country it's the uh i don't have to tell you it's the uh green belt it's uh, the new industry uh it's the the giant that's not sleeping anymore um tell us uh, tell us about uh, your vision how do you shape how do brown people get a piece of that rock
1: Sir, I believe it's through organization, and I'm paying attention to every wheel that's been constructed in in politics. And I'm I'm simply taking down the notes, and I'm coming back to my neighborhood, and I'm and I'm sharing that information with them. I'm thankful to say that we have multiple organizations that have come forth since the uh, annexation of of Roseman to the city of Santa Rosa. We have Mujeres Unidas, who is a group of of, of women here in Santa Rosa who have sought. Uh, assistance elsewhere, whether it be the, the Mexican consulate who are now coming to town and, and helping the, the disenfranchised residents obtain the, the documents that they were in dire need of in order to, uh, further their, their status, the migratory status here in California, in, in the United States of America. Uh, I'm also speaking up and I'm showing the people that it's okay to be heard, that we don't have to be quiet, that it's okay for, for us to express ourselves without the fear. A fear of repercussion and it's something that even to this day our Sonoma County Sheriff still does. For example, if I may, uh, one of the one of the, the directors of our human rights commission was was screenshotted through his personal Facebook post and that, that information was posted on the sheriff's official webpage. And I see that as intimidation. I see that as a misuse of public funds to do what? To silence a citizen who has Held them accountable. Who has who has audited them to show how how what, what vast need there is for oversight? And thankfully, the people of Sonoma County voted for Measure P, which is also known as Iolero, or Independent Office of Law Enforcement Review and Outreach. This is an individual that we consider to be uh, an, an advocate, if not the greatest advocate, and yet he is being threatened. He is being uh, chastised. At, at, in, in such an improper fashion, and it just shows you how much still needs to be done. And, and, I, and we could also touch on how our, our economic development official just resigned, and how an incoming health services director decided that Sonoma County was wasn't somewhere where where he felt that he could raise a family. In, in, in a safe fashion in Sonoma County, a place that is the wine country, a place where people of color expect to harvest the wine but not drink it. That is that is what is Sonoma County. And, and yes, it's absolutely beautiful with all its natural resources, but we have to improve. And I'm thankful to say that one of the things that I am doing is to show what needs to be improved and, and not fearing whatever repercussion they might have in store for me. Uh, I'm down for that fight. I come from the hood, and so far nobody's, nobody's shot at me. Uh, at
0: least not from the political side. You're <laughs> listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. Well, it sounds like uh Councilman, you're you're our kind of guy. Uh we're we're all never gonna forget Andy Lopez. No, uh and no uh, there is a, a documentary out that we're gonna be featuring and we're gonna track down that filmmaker because we will never forget. And it is I, I don't exaggerate, I'm sure you understand. When I say that this killer uh this killer sheriff, uh this trainer of twenty two years who used to uh he was bragging about uh, tracking down subversives in Iraq. I think he forgot what country he was in when he was shooting uh, Andy Lopez in the side and the back. Uh, yes, he but, saw
1: a uh, child and he did what he did. Absolutely, sir. And, and I'll have you know, one of the things that, that I'm thankful for for my experiences, my lived experiences here in, in, yes. in, in San Rosa and Sonoma County, is that the both the sheriff's department trained me. The people of San Rosa trained me. Whether it's being pulled out of my vehicle at a young age with that knee on, on, on your neck, I've, I've been there. Whether it's losing friends from shootings because of violence in the streets, I've been there. And I've also seen how our, our community has stepped forward and chosen this kid, this native kid, without the, the funding, without the elective official blessing, without the, the press Democrat, who's our major source, media source in the area, without their blessing, which hadn't been done in 20 years. I am a product of those people, and that's why I fight so hard for us to have a voice. And I'm proud to say I'm a Roseland. I'm proud to say I'm a Santa Roseland. And and I, and I want every single one of my fellow citizens to feel the same way that I do. And I appreciate you offering this platform to be able to reach out to the, to the rest of our, our, our U.S. Uh, land to be able to show what is happening in, in the wine country this place that 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 is an oasis, but sadly, when you go into my roseland my my south park my moorland who hasn 't been incorporated yet, you see the the reality of what difference there is between the wine table and the wine and, and the and the vineyard fields.
0: Right, and uh, to also point out uh, that those folks putting that beautiful wine on people's tables have been, uh, one, uh, having to work through the night, the fire, and the COVID, uh, and... uh, Not a lot of sympathy sympathy from the white governor of California, unfortunately. You're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. My name is Dennis Bernstein, and let's bring on uh, our good brother, Miguel Gavilan Molina, who's a senior producer uh, on the show, a partner for this broadcast, and he's been with with us all the way through this struggle uh, against uh, what we saw happen in Santa Rosa. You know, when we went to the first protest, Councilman, by the way, before Miguel comes in, We and we saw the kids, the young kids who were protesting the death of Andy Lopez. We also noticed that there were sharpshooters on the roof of the sheriff's department aiming their rifles at children. Anyway, Miguel, take it from there.
2: Well, it, it's an ongoing story, Dennis, and at some point uh, uh, there will be justice, as, as, as I hope, as we hope. But but I know one thing, and that's that, uh, you know, Councilman uh, 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 Alvarez r- really understands the state uh, that we face ourselves in, and not just in San Rosa, but in other areas. And, and you, you're right. Uh, you know, the wine industry is a billion-dollar industry. Uh, Sonoma County is also the gateway to what they call the Green Emil Triangle, which is the New uh, in a sense, green or gold rush in california economic agricultural area that uh, you know is the marijuana. Uh, industry that is just you know completely uh, uh, is competing now with the wine industry and Soma county is that gateway and, and, and I think uh, uh councilman uh, uh, Alvarez really understands the dynamic uh, of policing and the fact that we are you know in a militarized police state and uh, until we reform police uh, from you know that warrior cop mentality to public servants and 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 people that de-escalate and negotiate rather than come in like, you know, Robocops and shooting and blasting before asking questions, uh, there's not going to be much police reform. But I think that, uh, Councilman Alvarez, I know that you've encountered that uh, and, and uh, In dealing with this new industry of uh, of marijuana, you know which is like I said has engulfed the entire state and particularly up here in the north, uh, you yourself are a dispensary owner, and I know that uh, you had a long struggle to achieve uh, you know uh, the business permits and licenses and so forth and I know for myself and and, and others uh, and yourself that social justice has always been you know the focus of, of of this and also the whole idea of equity uh and, and economic justice and so once again we have this massive agricultural boom happening in sonoma county throughout and again agricultural workers primarily uh you know brown uh, farm workers you know are coming in uh and and, and again you know developing this industry and and yet, you know, we, we're regulated once again, I feel, to the status of what? Workers, you know, farm workers and not sharing in those profits. Councilman Alvarez, can you share with us your story? Because I know people need to hear it, particularly in these times.
1: Well, thank you, David, and, and I appreciate that, Carnar, especially the, the elaboration that you just shared with, with our listeners. For me, I mean, I'm a fifth-generation cannabis grower. My great-grandmother in the hills of Michoacan would grow the, the beautiful plant, and you know she would use it lovingly on her, on her children as, as my mother used it on me for medicinal purposes. Uh, my experience smoking it was at the young age of four because of the pure pressures and, and being from the hood. I mean, we keep it real every day of our life, right? And moving forward, if you fast forward quite a bit of years, and, uh, and seeing how people were able to capitalize from the industry while we just sat here and watched our baby being exploited for the, for the gain of, of a few, it, it came down to being handcuffs. I, I don't know how to quit. And for myself, you know, I tell people that in the morning, eight o'clock would be there bright and early to deal with cultivation charges. And as soon as Court was over. We'd go down one level and enter the Permit and Resource Management Department to see how our our permits were doing. Uh, I would tell the the judge, "You are going to get tired before I am. I, I I will not quit. I believe in the plant. I believe in the benefits, and I will not be deterred from what I believe is true and correct, which is the benefits of marijuana, the benefits of el cannabis. and And this struggle has absolutely been real. And I've seen many of my brothers and sisters who were who are benefiting not only medicinally, but also subsidized. We would be fools to think that the cannabis does not subsidize the small mom-and-pop shops of California. Humboldt is a perfect example of that. But I do not know how to quit, sir. I push forward, and thankfully I'm one of the few in the state of California that is of, of Latino, indigenous heritage that now can open up opportunities for my brothers and sisters, so they can learn what the new industry is doing, what that new green gold rush is doing for them and what it can do for their family members as well. But it did come to handcuffs. It did come to being deterred and broken down and, and, and spending an insurmountable amount of money on lawyer fees while I watched old farmers come onto the property and tell the judge, also Mexicans were growing on my property, and the cases would be submitted uh, dismissed. And I would look at my brother. I go, man, you hear that? we can come up with that same excuse because on our property, there were Mexicans growing on that property, except the Mexicans were us. But no, the judge wouldn't allow those, those cases be dismissed. I wonder why, right? But nonetheless, though, it's been, it's been oppressive. The the policy in cannabis, and it continues to be oppressive. And it bothers me greatly that our communities are being made into employees when they were owners of their own business. Again, it has to be that, that, that beauty of being able to control your destiny, that which is financial independence. And I want to see that for my fellow brothers and sisters. But this policy that is happening in the state of California, and we see for, from the governor down, we see why the policy is what it is in today's day and age.
0: You know, Councilman Miguel and I were on an investigation uh up north and uh we had a chance to sort of see the inner workings of uh um uh, some operations and i have to tell you it, it, it the story seemed to be that a lot of poor people were being imported from the city and not being paid a lot of money to work very hard uh and uh uh, they really it wasn't a pleasant sight it wasn't the new visionary magic drug uh bringing people uh giving them a piece of the rock if you will pardon the uh metaphor um but i, I in in that regard, in terms of accessibility, it's also been the brown and black community, the poor communities the indigenous communities that have been shredded by the Laws Uh, and many of the people are still in jail, still serving long sentences. I'm wondering uh, how your vision takes them into consideration.
1: Well, brother, uh, imagine that a conglomerate comes into a space and he doesn't worry about what tree he's going to knock over or who he's going to exploit, and that is what we're currently facing. Uh, The difference is for those of us who have been in the struggle, who have been in this trench behind a tree line, we understand that we are part of Mother Nature. For for example, for myself, I, I've never dropped a tree to grow a cannabis plant. I've definitely manicured the underneath them. I've I've definitely cleared uh, the 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 brush underneath the tree, but never could I take it upon myself or even direct a crew member to drop a a, a, a tree. Why? Because we respect nature. It's what we've been taught. So this story of of cannabis growers that they're destructors of our natural resources. Look no further than the wine industry. That with which we come from, which from wine country. If you want to look at the clearing now, when it comes to the, the justice aspect of this, again, if you don't know what the struggle is, how can you relate to it? And what I'm seeing are people making a change from, from, from banking, from, from, logistics in in the beer industry and they're making that switch to cannabis so they don't come from the culture and therefore i would never expect them to respect the culture in the way that those that came from it would and again this is this is part of our culture that has been passed through generations this is something that a person might have come to california because they felt that love for the plant and it was love that brought them here it wasn't just the greed and, and the malice of being able to just me, 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 it's always, and it has to be about us. And I think that's what's missing in that equation.
0: We are speaking with uh, Santa Rosa, California City Councilman Eddie Alvarez. Uh, Eddie Alvarez is also the owner, I believe, of one or two dispensaries. He's in the business, as they say, and I guess uh, you are now a significant business in Santa Rosa, and they have to pay attention to you. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's Are you getting the necessary services?
1: It, you know, it, it, it's absolutely mind-blowing what opportunity my people have blessed me with, and I definitely want to reciprocate that and bring them along with me. They have allowed me to kick the door open, and I've taken two steps through that door. And I'm telling everybody, look what's over here! Please walk through this gate. Please walk through this 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 door arch, and it's it's called representation. It's called being heard and it's absolutely empowering.
0: I want to before we we're going to have to let you go and I want to take you back to uh, some of your other duties and possibilities and vision. Obviously, the uh, the the battle against police violence where we started this conversation is ongoing and big time and given the expanding right-wing vigilante movement, I think we there's a lot of trouble ahead here. Uh but it, the one of the big conflicts in terms of the police department is they don't seem to know how to tell the difference between somebody who's really a criminal who could be dangerous and somebody who might be having a personal breakdown or a spiritual breakdown. And because it's usually a white racist situation in charge, they show up. They get a call from grandma who's just needing a little help because somebody's troubled and they end up having their son executed in front of them. Your thoughts on transformations, making police departments more accountable and responsive to the various needs of the communities they serve?
1: Brother, it's similar to what we just spoke about cannabis. If you don't understand the struggle, you can never relate nor can you direct those in the struggle. I'm proud to say that as a San Rosa council member and and part of of, of a board of, of council members, I am I love this to be able to disclose to you that we as a collective unit have moved in the direction of not sending police officers to those type of calls, whether it be welfare check, whether it's a mom or a grandma or, or a spouse, uh, partner calling in to uh, to help their, their loved one, opposed to calling in the death sentence. Uh, for us, it's called in response. And we are funding a program where we're sending trained professionals that are wearing guns Uh, to services where there's no violence and there's no guns involved so they can respond to these calls so we can start changing the culture so we can start changing the results. And we're also working with a group called Seed Collective or Collaborative, I'm sorry, uh, to help guide us as the city of Santa Rosa in a more equitable fashion because we must look at what our deficiencies are. And when we are killing our citizens for doing nothing more than being citizens, it definitely points to a problem. But again, like I say, I am proud to say that we as a council member group, representatives of the city of Santa Rosa, we are looking in that direction other than just a pow-pow, and that's going to solve it because the reality of it is that's not a solution. It's, it's a form of oppression.
0: Yes, it is. All right, well, uh, we're going to have to leave it right there, Councilman, but we appreciate you coming on and talking with us, and we hope that we can uh, uh, consider this the beginning of a dialogue coming out of Santa Rosa, a very important place these days, particularly for Brown people people, uh, and people who keep that economic machine going. Uh, Of course, we want to thank our own good brother, Miguel Gabriel Molina, for setting up this interview and being a part of our involvement in the indigenous and Latino Chicano communities of uh, this country. Uh, Thanks to both of you. You are listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. We'll take a short break and then when we come back, I'm going to be sort of doing a little Memorial Day or... Not Memorial Day, but a uh, a they call it Veterans Day. My father called it Armistice Day. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Stay with us. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you, <laughs> And you're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. Well, Veterans Day is uh, what it's called now. It used to be Armistice Day, uh, and that's what my father liked to call it. His birthday was this day, Armistice Day. I want to read a little piece and a poem to remember my dad, the war hero. It's called T, the B, War Daddy and Me. My father would have been 104 today. He was a war hero who hated war. One of the bravest people I have ever known, except for maybe my mom. Tough and tender, two bronze stars, and a ton of other medals. He preferred to refer to this day as Armistice Day. A day for thinking about the war dead and celebrating a prayer for peace. Once I was stung by a bee. Daddy-O caught me on the way out of the house with a can of Raid. I was determined to take on the kingdom of the bee, seeking revenge at all costs. Did I ever tell you the story of the bee that saved my life? My daddy asked me. You see, kiddo, there was a lull in the fighting at Bloody Ridge in Sicily. I stepped out of my foxhole to get away from the pesky bees. Just after I got behind a tree, My dad said, a mortar shell landed where I was perched in a foxhole and ended the war on the spot for ten of my World War II buddies. So, how about putting down that can of Raid and let's go have some tea with honey. This poem is called Strong Medicine. It is for George M. Bernstein. It's about the last three hours I spent with my dad. strong medicine the night before he died he craved for ice cream on a stick he swore he heard the bells outside the truck across the street could i sneak out and buy a round for all of us his treat there was no truck across the street no crisp bells crackling but The canteen in the basement did have two dusty old machines dispensing pops and cones and cups. I filled the slots with coins. At 50 cents a shot, those two machines unleashed more vital pain relief that night than the steady drip of morphine clouding father's final scene. Ah, the loot he beamed and drew a shallow breath and then another I toast to the bitter and the sweet. He tore the wrapper off his treat before he lost his breath completely. I watched him eat. I watched him eat like a kid on the snake before dinner that night as death took a brief backseat to a chocolate covered ice cream bar on a stick. Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. My name is Dennis Bernstein. This is your daily investigative news magazine. We broadcast every weekday from 5 to 6 from the San Francisco Bay Area over the Pacifica Radio Network. Did I say that already? Joining us again in the battle to protect your vote, and it's getting ugly, is our good friend Greg Greg GregPalast.com, the best democracy money can buy as a book, a film. This man has been fighting for your vote for many years, and he remains on the front line. Greg, as always, it is great to have you back. Uh, you're the one who nailed Raffin's purger, who's now making the rounds, who's being glorified, who's become the hero of MSNBC. You have to remind us again... Is is he, is he a hero or not?
3: Uh, by the way, that was... Uh, I'm really glad you gave us that poem, and poems about your dad. Um, we need Thank that you. right now. And, and let me just... Okay, you just... I, I have to take 30 seconds to say my father was very proud of his service in World War II at, uh, um, until um, 1968 when... Um, uh, we went to the corner. And we saw that uh, the U.S. after the Gulf of Tonkin resolution had invaded Vietnam, and um, he gave me his medals that day and said, "Throw them away." Wow. Well,
0: I, I think my go. father threw them away a couple of times, <laughs> and my mother kept sending for them.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know you oh, back. Yeah. Um, oh, so. Oh, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. And so,
0: all right. Let's get. Let yes. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah. So it's all a question of. It is a question of patriotism, and it is a question that. um, And in fact, people always ask me that was the origin of my fight for voting rights because he said you're going to go and you're going to go work with Martin Luther King, which I ended up doing, Martin Luther King III in the end. uh, And uh, um, that's what you've got to do. So that's you know. So we all have to be a veteran of some battle. Anyway, uh, Raffensperger, Brad Raffensperger, he is the new hero of um, the kind of liberal, democratic um, punditocracy. And you'll see him on NBC. Now, who is this cat? Just to remind you, he is the secretary of state of Georgia, the Purgeon general, the Republican handpicked by Brian Kemp after he swiped the election for governor from Stacey Abrams in 2018, gave the job to Brad Raffensperger. And his name really is, it's always mispronounced, Raffensperger, it's Purger, really is his name, and he is the Purgeon general, because he is the guy who we caught removing 335,000 voters illegally. In concert with Brian Kemp, I want a federal lawsuit against him, but it wasn't in time to stop Kemp from seizing the office of governor by a few thousand votes from Stacey Abrams after he eliminated a third of a million black people. Now, has he has he had a kind of come to Jesus or come to Thomas Jefferson or democracy moment uh, since? You know, he's famous because. Uh, Donald Trump called him 29 times and he played one of those phone calls, made a tape of them. I'd like to get the other, tw- i have tried to get the other 28 phone calls tapes where Trump was saying, you got to find 11,700 votes for me, which would give Trump the state of Georgia. And he couldn't. And now, so people think he's a great stand-up guy who stood up to Trump. No, he wasn't going to go to jail for Trump. The, The U.S. attorney for Atlanta was looking into Trump's attempt to basically disappear 12,000 votes and, and take the state of Georgia. And Raffensperger wasn't going to go to the can for Trump. That doesn't make him a hero. But he's written a book now. He's got a big advance. I don't know how, six figures for something called Integrity Counts. Well, let's count this, and this is very important. No one on NBC, uh, MSNBC or 60 Minutes all talking about what a stand-up guy he was has forgotten the fact that he is also the guy behind SB202, which is the worst Jim Crow law passed in the nation in the last year, including, and in our report on Flashpoints, Pacifica, not on MSNBC, Uh. is or 60 minutes is he's the guy behind this idea that any individual can challenge the right to vote of any other individual. It's juicing up an old Jim Crow law that used to, you know, if you'd get some, uh. some, uh. Ku Klux Klanner in, in Georgia to say, don't let Joe Black vote, he's not qualified. He's now said that that, that Ravenspurger has promoted and encouraged um, a uh, a group out of Texas to find Georgians to uh, who have now challenged 364,000 voters, almost all the voters of color. And, well, let's put it this way. All the voters are uh, the color blue. I've busted this story, and I can't get this on the air anywhere because it, except with you, Dennis, except for Pacifica Flashpoints KPFA, because it goes against the myth of the great Raffensperger. This, he's basically encouraged the removal of a third of a million voters a little bit more than the amount that the margin of uh, the Reverend Senator uh, Warnock, Raphael Warnock, who's, by the way, running for re-election next year because he had a short Senate term. So in other words, Raffensperger, the great man for all seasons, the great defender of democracy, has already pre-stolen the election. So Warren's going to have to win by more than he won before because they just literally have flushed into the toilet a third of a million voters. And it's getting no coverage except for here because you cannot say that Raffensperger is anything but a hero. What's happened is is that anyone who says boo about any Republican who say that Trump is is, uh, somehow not James Madison must be a wonderful guy. And this is what our media does. It crowns phony heroes for us. This is dangerous stuff, very dangerous, because SB202 at Raffensburger Promoted is one of the most dangerous racist bills in America. And as it works in Georgia, I have found for eight years reporting for you, Dennis, eight years for Democracy Now! and BBC and Rolling Stone out of Georgia – that whatever happens in Georgia quickly races across the country as other secretaries of state imitate Kemp and Raffensperger. Dangerous stuff. Dangerous stuff.
0: Amazing. Uh, again, you're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. We're speaking with Greg Palast. He's at GregPalast. GregPalast. Uh, and he is a frontline fighter uh, for your vote. Um, l- let's talk about the potential for violence because is not as far as i'm concerned i mean we hear like the there's a warning from you know national security department land but i don't think people get how dangerous what a dangerous situation we are facing now and how quickly this could get very very violent are you concerned well-
3: well, it has gotten very violent, and it's going to get more violent. And I'm very, one thing I'm very concerned about, you know, the Palace team and Zach D. Roberts, who is, our, uh, is tracking all of the white violence for the past year and its planning. I'm very concerned about the case of Kyle Rittenhouse. He is the 17-year-old kid who...
0: 18 uh, now, yeah.
3: 18 now. He crossed state lines with an AK... Uh, with you know AK-47, or I guess it's the AR-15 version. A- yeah, he had AR-15, an AR-15 yeah. illegally. He had a he, so he t- crossed the state line with an automatic weapon. Showed illegally, up at right. the protests uh, against the killing of George Floyd in Wisconsin, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. He claims he's going there. He just had the AR-15. He has now told the court a trial has just started. He told the court, he told the jury and the judge, I only had the AR-15 because it was cool, and but he was really there. The important thing is that he brought his medical kit, which is literally something to do first aid.
0: He was there <laughs> first to, aid with an, an AR-15. Save, yeah, I like to that. Save
3: lives. He just had the kind of it was kind of a cool prop to have an automatic yeah. weapon. He was actually there to save lives, and uh, it was only when some when some terrible antifa protester grabbed his gun said put his hand on his gun and said i'm going to kill you now imagine someone grabbing an a loaded automatic weapon and there's this crazy guy supposedly the other guy grabbed the gun and in self-defense he's got the automatic weapon he murders a man who is unarmed and he says in self-defense of course they can't I get the unarmed man side of the story. He's dead. Well, that wasn't enough. His self-defense spree continued. He then uh, went down uh, the street and, in self-defense, murdered someone else. And then self—he got some
0: water. He got some water and comfort from some uh, sheriffs before and, he did that.
3: And then, are uh, you ready for this? Um, he then, after he shot a third guy, turns himself into the police that I would shot these some people
0: and they don't want And them. They
3: said Well get out of here kid. They said well, go <laughs> go away. This is the Kenosha police, right? Well, we'll leave. And then of course he was tracked down uh later turned himself in later when the pressure was on when he went into hiding. But uh, here's the big problem. Here's the big problem. You do have a prosecution which doesn't seem to know what it's doing. He's got this cockamamie self-defense story, and the judge has let this run wild. For example, he's allowed you're allowed in the courtroom to talk about dangerous Antifa as a threat to America, anti-American Antifa rioters. You're allowed to use that phrase, but the judge has banned anyone from calling the people who were shot dead victims. And you'll love this one. The judge has his cell phone in the courtroom, and when it rings... It <laughs> plays the, the ultra-right-wing anthem, Proud to be an American, and which is used at Trump rallies and right-wing rallies. So this, and that this has happened. Judge you have. And that
0: has happened in the courtroom. <laughs> yeah. That has in the courtroom.
3: happened. Yes. So what you're talking about is an ultra-right judge who has basically said, who's put Antifa, the victims, the, the people who are murdered are on trial now. And Rittenhouse, and, and, under, and they're using under Wisconsin law, which has a kind of stand-your-ground kind of law, even though he wasn't standing his ground, he was literally confronting demonstrators with an automatic weapon that they're saying that if, 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 in his mind, he was acting in self-defense, he'll walk. Now, what does this have to do with our violence discussion? The answer is that the right wing is watching this carefully. If this guy walks, and there's a very, very good chance he will simply walk, because they allowed uh, anti anti they allowed people who thought that Antifa was a threat to America to sit on the jury, so that the victims are seen as a threat to American by by the jurors. They were allowed to sit on this jury. There's a very good chance this guy is going to walk, and if that happens, it's basically saying, you know, load up with your guns. Because we can walk. Not only that, but but this guy's become a huge celebrity. He's raised over a million dollars. He's cashing in, and he's got a hell of a team. He's got like OJ, part of OJ Simpson's successful defense team, because he's got the cash for it. This is dangerous stuff. And then and you have to understand. Then we switch over. All this is going on while we have the trial in Charlottesville on the um, on the. Uh, mayhem in charlottesville where you do have the Ku klux klan and the proud boys and and other the right wing groups on trial but most people do not understand this is a civil trial the government never brought a case against these guys who directed the deadly murderous riots in charlottesville this is a private lawsuit it's not a criminal it's not from the just u s justice department it's not from the state of virginia it's not from the local police it is a, a literally the victims have had to bring their own trial civil action. Uh, and then you then we shift up to washington, d c, January 6th. So in other words, the mayhem makers in Charlottesville are not too panicked. The worst that can happen is that they get a a, a money judgment, but they don't go to prison for what they did. People died. people were crippled. Uh, and in January 6th, where you had an officer whose head was crushed with a fire extinguisher, doesn't matter. Um, You have a committee which is still dawdling about subpoenaing people. They still don't uh, get the main story that's going on there. I'm very concerned. And the right wing, I mean, according to our people who are, by the way, get inside these organizations, just so you know, so we know what they're thinking. They think January 6th was a big victory. It took their movement and splashed it across the world's front pages. They don't think they lost, and especially because they all they got a police escort to walk out of out of Congress. They got to walk away, and and most of them are getting disorderly conduct and, and Well, and, you know,
0: stuff. I mean, a, a couple of the sent, few. There was finally somebody who was sentenced to four years or something like that based on a prosecution uh, recommendation. But the fact is that the Proud Boys not only are they watching this, they're already showing up at school board meetings and town board meetings and uh, anti-mask meetings. They're already monitoring the situation with weaponry. This is happening even as these trials unfold. And there, there seems to be I, I, by the way, we should mention that the um, well, everybody who thought uh, you were going to see uh, the the Trump uh, daybooks and logs and all that stuff because uh, he lost in court. Well, he didn't lose. He won. He won on appeal. That's an appeal that could take him to the Supreme Court. That could be friendly. Uh, but essentially, it doesn't matter because the idea it takes him to the next Congress and that they get rid of the investigation. And you could even have Don Trump as a president again
3: yes well one reason you can't donald trump as a president again i just talked to you about how the great hero raffensperger has been the uh, uh was the point man to establish brand new vicious uh vote suppression rules in georgia so we could lose the Congress. Not, you know, it's not, I'm not here to, to support the Democrats or Wardock's reelection or Stacey Abrams will be running against it. And by the way, that's, that's the other line of Raffensperger, which has been very effective with the liberal press. That right. there's no difference between Stacey Abrams' complaint of vote suppression that her election was stolen, which it was. And she cited, you know, the evidence from the Palace investigative team, uh, expert evidence. We, we literally, when we said 335,000 people were wrongly removed from the voter rolls, we actually have the list of names. We weren't guessing. We went name by name by name, people they said didn't live at their voting address, and we proved that they did. We brought them in. We had their photos. We had experts saying, from Google and from, you know, saying, this is where these people live. We have, you know, and, and yet, Stacey Abrams is being put in the same bag as Donald Trump. This is very dangerous stuff, so that when you now say vote suppression, I can't say Stacey Abrams' election was stolen from her. I would literally be removed from Facebook. In fact, I I was. Consortium News, um, uh, when we talked about uh, um, election games in Wisconsin and Michigan, I was removed from Facebook. I was uh, re- at uh, Consortium News, which is a great investigative Uh, outlet of of the late Bob Perry, who uncovered the Iran-Contra scandal with you, by the way. And I have to tell you that this is dangerous stuff when you no longer can talk about manipulation of the vote, racial vote suppression. In fact, you better use the term suppression. You can't ever say that an election was stolen. They said there's suppression, but it never affected any election, according to the New York Times. These are dangerous Things
0: and plus, it, it really, Greg, I really I want to stay with this for a moment because I want people mm-hmm. to get it because there's a lot of people in this audience that really spend a lot of time on MSNBC. Mm-hmm. And Raffins Perger has done every program on that freaking network. So, again, what you're saying is that he's been getting away with comparing Stacey Abrams with Donald Trump trump they're both dangerous people when it comes to electoral the electoral system and endangering our elections that's raffensburg
3: okay for example in the runoff um cobb county which was by the way newt gingrich's county newt gingrich's district amazingly went for donald trump and ossoff and warnock went democratic in november and the republican burgers of cobb county which is um one of the largest counties in in, in uh, Georgia, um, closed six of 11 voting stations with Raffensperger's approval. All six voting stations were in black areas. They left white areas, uh, the voting stations untouched in the white areas. And this is the type... now. And now when you bring that up, they're saying, oh, you're just like Donald Trump. You're just like Donald Trump. I tried to... Confront Raffin's perger. In fact, a federal judge ordered him to meet with me to, and of and, uh, Black Voters Matter. I was working with Black Voters Matter Fund in Georgia and Operation Rainbow Push, the Jesse Jackson organization. A federal judge ordered him to meet with us, and he literally closed his office, locked his doors, turned out the lights to avoid meeting with us before an election to get the voter rolls straightened out because he'd removed so many people illegally. And yet that's – he's a hero. But Stacey Abrams is the equivalent of Donald Trump's crazy talk about the election being stolen from him. So now they're creating this false equivalence between those who talk about um, people being illegally purged from the voter rolls because of their race or age – the attack on Asian Americans, that that's all equivalent to Donald Trump's ravings. This is a very, this is the new liberal equivalent and it's very, very dangerous stuff. And it's poison, it's been, I think one of the reasons why we've seen three voting rights bills go down before the People Act, which is not too great, but there is also the one that supposedly Joe Manchin signed onto, which is the Freedom to Vote Act, which isn't some improvement in the current, it does provide some real protection. Manchin said he would support that and even do a cutout of the filibuster. And somehow that's disappeared. Um, it yeah. is, um, I have to say, it's problematic, and one of the reasons... You know, like why didn't Biden say, "Wait a minute, you said you would agree to bust the filibuster for the bill you have signed onto, the Freedom to Vote Act, Joe Manchin." But then Biden actually said on CNN, "Are you ready for this?" Uh, Dennis?" Biden said, "I'm ready. If I bust the fil- if if I use my influence to end the filibuster for voting rights, I will not have the political backing. For my budget agenda. That's what he said. He literally admitted, I'm throwing voting rights under the bus in return for getting the vote on the, uh, on the budget bill, on the reconciliation. Um, at least, I will say one thing. I know politicians think these things and do these things, but rarely do they go on national TV to admit that they just took uh, voters of color and just threw them under the bus. Uh, I think he to,
0: wanted I think he wanted his enemies to know that he was willing to do that. He that's probably part of the deal. Do it publicly, well, you know, Joe. I think
3: of I think of Ben Franklin's line, a paraphrasing it. Those who would give up democracy and voting rights for some extra money in the budget don't deserve either. And uh, <laughs> I think that this is it's a very it's so this is very we are now now voting rights is being de- the issue of votes and elections being stolen and they are stolen it's just that they're being stolen by trump and his cronies as, as you know i wrote the you know I, I did the investigation for rolling stone showing that the election of 2016 was stolen using that evil system cross check uh by chris kobach of kansas where you know every guy named garcia was removed because they said well they're all voting they're all the same guy voting the Royal Garcia. If I said if I now wrote a story called the election of twenty sixteen was stolen, which is what I wrote for Rolling Stone, that would be removed from the internet because they're creating an equivalent and they're blocking real discussion of voting rights. It's a very dangerous thing. And praising guys like Raffin's purger Uh, is a very dangerous business. Just because he got in a fight with Donald Trump does not make him a hero.
0: That's for sure. Listen, we've only got a couple of minutes, and I want to remind people that uh, the wonderful uh, radical attorney Stephen Donziker is uh, uh, in jail now for defending uh, indigenous communities who deserve defense. You want to remind people very briefly the case and very where we briefly. are now.
3: Yes, uh, Stephen Donziger. I wouldn't even call him radical. He was kind of just, you know, your nice liberal thought he would defend Doing his job, yes. in the Amazon. He graduated from Harvard Law with his friend, a good friend, a Barack Obama. And instead of going out to make money like the others in his class, he decided he was going to dedicate his life to defending indigenous people in the Amazon who were being slathered with oil, poisoned literally poisoned and killed by Chevron's texaco unit and after an eight-year battle uh they found uh the ecuadorian courts found that chevron has to pay nine and a half billion dollars to clean up the mess every scientific expert in in the planet testified that this was creating leukemia uh, patches of leukemia around the oil wells of uh, among children i myself personally went there but and so Donziger, and then, uh, as you know, Don, this is the first corporate prosecution in America. What do I mean by that? When Donziger uh, was uh, ordered to pay Chevron its legal fees because they sued him in a New York court, found a right-wing judge named Lewis Kaplan, sued him in a uh, New York uh, court saying he tried to bribe the judge in Ecuador. That's how he got the judgment. And just very quickly... Donziger, even the judge said that uh, the idea that Donziger tried to bribe this guy is ridiculous, and also with his partner, Pablo Fajardo, who's a young kid who literally didn't have taxi fare when I was down in Ecuador. He's not bribing anyone. Uh, The judge said, oh, I never took any money from Donziger, but he did take $2 million from Chevron for his uh, expenses to come and testify in, in this case. And then the court said, well, okay, you uh, you can't collect, the the, the, uh, the indigenous people of the Amazon can't collect from Chevron in America. They removed all their assets from Ecuador, so now you can't collect in America. And not only that, but we're going to make Donziger pay Chevron's legal fees. By the way, their legal fees were $1 billion. Uh, let me repeat that. Their legal fees, $1 billion, obviously bankrupting Donziger. Um, and then they said, give us. We want Donziger's computer to see if he's hiding money. And Donziger said, well, wait a minute, it has my client information. You give away the names of whistleblowers in Chevron. Uh, you give away names of, of some of the indigenous people They'll die. They'll get killed down there. And he demanded that there be an expert to remove the confidential information.
0: 30 seconds, judge, Greg, 30 seconds.
3: A judge found him in criminal contempt and now and then hired a Chevron lawyer to prosecute him. And without a jury trial has sentenced him to six months in prison he's in danbury right now for his the indigenous people
0: how do people follow this one maybe they want to support him or learn more about it or
3: uh free Don, uh, free d-o-n-z-i-g-e-r free and there's a story about the sickening lack of media coverage or misinformation from new york times and others uh, at gregpalace
0: Great, that's great. Thank you, Greg Palace. Gregpalace As always, we appreciate the good work. You are listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio.
3: Wraps it up for you. Flashpoint.